welcome to the Beyond the Reef podcast, where I talk to experts and researchers in the reef aquarium hobby, discussing a broad range of topics from biology to equipment and chemistry. We take a deep dive into our guests' methods, techniques, and top reef keeping tips. My name is Adam Sutherland, and I am the owner-operator of Frag Garage Corals, based out of British Columbia, Canada. My guest for this episode is Adam Derrickson of Battle Corals. And uh, you probably know Adam and Battle Corals. He's been selling uh, SPS primarily for the past 10 plus years, uh, based out of Wisconsin, United States. Uh, We had a super fun conversation talking about corals, parameters, all the kind of things that I wanted to touch on. I think we really covered a lot. Uh, We were hoping to find some points of contention or things we did differently. I think we found a few things, so hopefully you get some good nuggets out of this one. And if you want to check out Adam's Corals, check him out at battlecorals.com. I will link to his website and any resources that we discuss in this episode. If you want to support this podcast, the best thing you can do is like, subscribe, share, write us a review. And if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions for a future episode, please reach out. So let the battle of the atoms commence. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Very cool. Very cool. I mean, I really appreciate the invite. I'm sorry it took me uh, a couple tries to lock it in, but uh, it's sometimes just uh, with kids and whatnot, you know, it can get a little difficult. But yeah, uh, but we found a window and, uh, and here we are. It's perfect. Yeah. So, OK, so in the theme of the battle of the atoms, I was hoping we could talk about some I don't know either controversy in the industry uh you know maybe we can find some things we disagree on and kind of you know talk about those things so sure um yeah I guess, I'm a pretty easygoing guy though so it might yeah be well I mean it's I'm sure we agree on a lot so <laughs> yeah well I've seen you know I did I did scour your uh uh you know your Instagram thing and and you've got some pretty impressive looking corals so yeah, I, I think that I would imagine a lot of our kind of methodologies are, are probably not too far, you know, away from each other. In fact, I'm more impressed by what you have than what I have here. <laughs> to be eh, honest with you, you but, never know. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing about aquaculture is you're just in a constant state of destroying your colonies. I mean, I do not yeah. ever have like thriving, growing, massive colonies anymore. Uh, that's like uh, that's what hobbyists have, you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, although. I can't do this, but maybe for the video, if you look really close in the corner of the screen, uh, that little tank in the corner is going to be uh, my first display tank in probably 10 years now. Oh, nice. And uh, I got a funny little plan. It's kind of an experimental tank, but uh, my plan is to actually grow out some pieces in there like I never have, uh, you know, like I haven't in a long time and kind of let them do their thing. So, yeah, uh, with any luck. Yeah, I'm always surprised how many... I'm always surprised how many acros, once they get to a certain size, they'll how they table. Like species that you wouldn't necessarily think would be a tabling. Oh, yeah. Acropora, I think most, most acros, at least most that are collected, especially Australian, are tabling. And it's kind of funny because, you know, a lot of people ask for tables, that sort of thing. And I kind of tell them, even millies, most corals table. And when you yeah. look at these pictures, they're like, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen the, uh, the scroll on Apple TV. Even they do this kind of... Uh, yeah hover over these reefs and it's like 90% tables, you know, yeah. it, it just, you know, I've always kind of said what we have in our tanks, it's kind of like the bonsai version of, of the wild piece. Like everything kind of gets a little bit more miniaturized. And, uh, but if you grow them out long enough, they do eventually table most of the time. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Just you know, tell the customer, it, Oh, it's not a big deal. You just have to grow it out to 10, 12 inches, you know, right. Right. Inches. Not a big deal. Right. <laughs> 
yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's it's true, though. I mean, like, structurally, that uh, is pretty consistent, like I said, especially with Australian stuff. It seems like most of that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, when it's mature, it does that. But, again, it's been a long time. Minus maybe some big effalos I have here. Uh, I don't think I've got anything over, like, five, six inches. It just, yeah. you know... I mean, you sit, when you sell coral for a living, you have to, like, destroy them all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. You're yeah, kind that's of just, a it's the nature asshole. of the <laughs> Right, right. Anyway, I don't know if we can fight about that, but... Yeah, uh, no, I guess not. But uh, so I was going to ask you about kind of pushing the limits of certain parameters and kind of how far you take things. Um, because one thing I think I, I heard in an interview with you and Keith, Reefbum, was um, I think you run your salinity higher than the natural seawater kind funny. of funny well yeah i'll preface this by saying like my methods are pretty uh, are not static at all i mean i really am kind of in a constant state of you know does this work does that work um but the story goes years and years ago uh i kind of haphazardly wound up with higher salinity probably because my laziness just not checking it or whatever i think i was doing uh i was packing up orders and just turning on a pump and kind of filling in water a little bit you know haphazardly not in any way balancing the system and uh, my salinity shot up to about 1028. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're talking back in the basement days. So, uh, you know, maybe 2012, 13. And, uh, and I just noticed things look pretty good. So, I mean, that, you know, no real scientific method there. But uh, it's been a long time. I had, I had been running that for a while. And uh, even in this past year, I've decided to kind of bring it back down. And yeah. I don't, again, I don't necessarily have a reason for that. It wasn't like, oh, things aren't doing right. I'm going to try this. Uh, I think it almost just kind of happened <laughs> organically on its own, and I am back to I'm back down to 10, 10 25 and and consequently, I, I can't say I've had any major shifts or changes in, in anything. You know, I think that if anything, like that might have been boosting alkalinity a little bit. I was using Tropic Marin, which was a little low, and uh, you know that might have been helping. That uh, I've since switched to uh, a Red Sea that has way higher alkalinity, and maybe that kind of played into my uh, subconsciously not you know if water changes would kind of boost my elk a little bit and that sort of thing yeah so, uh, some of these things kind of happen in the back of your brain and and they just kind of they just kind of do their thing but <laughs> yeah i mean my understanding is the higher salinity is kind of like faster metabolism so you might get more growth also like you know you're everything's going to be a little bit more saturated after a water change so um right you know it, right. essentially you're kind of topping up some of those trace and stuff a little bit more but uh my concern with selling corals at a higher salinity is if you're shipping to someone that say has let their salinity drift down and say yours is you know zero two eight and theirs is you know they might not know but it might be zero two three or zero two two it might not be in a dangerous range but it's lower mm-hmm. and then if they get a coral from someone that's shipping higher salinity that could i find that can that can kill corals or at least give them some issues on you know yeah no i i I completely agree and even that that actually makes sense to me probably not a bad uh thing you know mine was definitely higher than the normal uh than than the norm for sure and uh even other parameters too massive shifts you know when when they arrive could certainly be problematic i could see that and and, uh again that didn't really play (laughs) as it probably should have but it didn't really play into my decision to to bring it back down but but you know thinking about it now that actually makes sense to have uh to have that in fact i've had customers in the past you know shoot me an email saying like dude is this are you sure like this is right like i tested your some of your parameters and and you know their your selenium is way high and, and, yeah. and so forth and uh you know i guess this is uh you know like i said my, my methods are kind of in a constant state of of uh you know growth and change i don't really i'm not locked into anything specific Really, at any time, you know, when it comes to that sort of thing, uh, 
we could go on about, I'm sure we'll touch on some of the other uh, things and, and stuff that I do, but uh, we'll leave that till we get there. <laughs> yeah, another thing as far as like, um, you know, Coral's adjusting to say customers systems, because I think this is important for people that are buying Coral to understand, like, are you using metal halides as like one of your main light sources? I think you're pretty big on the halides, right? Uh, you know, it, like yes and no. Like I've got a lot of mother colonies still under halides. I'm still running uh, Iwasaki's even. In fact, I, I bought the last, uh, the last line of kind of the last uh, yeah. productions of those uh, those 65Ks. Oh, but, nice! I remember uh, those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've got them. I've got on on old magnetic ballast. Actually, they're wonderful. And I think I've got 12 left. I have a tank that has four of them over that. So I have at least. Uh, and I've been pushing my balls to the max. I've been actually getting about two or three years out of them just because. Uh, so kind of uh, by my math, I've probably got another like five, six years worth of uh, Iwasaki's if I want to. Um, but I do have, uh, I'm running all three lighting now. So, you know, generally, you know, I even have kind of the gimmick on my site is you can buy corals based on what lighting they were grown under. Cool. And uh, most of my mothers are split among all the lighting at this point. But I do have the halide tank. Um, I will say all my frags minus some of the little satellite frags that end up in the halide tank are all under LEDs. So generally, and I'm sure as I go and, you know, replacing, you know, 15 T5 bulbs at a time kind of sucks as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm guessing that, you know, even more so, but I'm not running as many T5s as I used to either. Um, you know, the progression is pretty much gone, you know, slowly more and more LEDs make their way up there. And as that happens, you know, the older lights are are moving out, but uh, yeah. uh, yes, in fact, I'm still running halides. They work wonderful. I mean, I, 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 can't, I always go back and forth. You know, when I get asked all the time, like, what do you think really is the best? And uh, it's hard not to say T5, only because like T5 offers them something that like point lighting doesn't. I think when you get yeah. the, it's a coverage thing. I think to me, it's a coverage thing. And when I take two corals and I can kind of compare them, oh, this is the one that was growing under the halides, and this is the T, the T5 version. The T5 has something else you know maybe a little it just has something a little extra and i think it like again it's just there's no shading at all like all those little nooks and crannies are are receiving light and you know that's the main difference there but but to, to answer your question yeah still still running all three lights i'm sorry yeah okay yeah but i mean it sounds like you're doing it in a way that's kind of giving the customers some transparency on it because i mean my concern i think with metal halides is like they are a great light but how well it's been a while since i've bought any coral from anybody growing anything under halides but um you know it's kind of nice to sell corals when you know that you can achieve the same lighting as them and let's face it like i mean we need to kind of get away from metal halides it's probably you know like an industry that's kind of starting to get you know slowly oh, yeah well like i said I, they don't make zewasakis anymore i think radiums are done i mean like it's it is a it is like a fleeting uh, industry for sure. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, the writing's been on the wall for a while on that, but, uh, again, I, I bought the last like bulk box that I could, mm -hmm. and I intend to run them, you know, like I said, probably another six years. And, uh, but again, it's, it's a smaller part of my system at this point for sure. Like yeah. most of my stuff is under LEDs, you know, cool. for whatever. It's almost kind of a novelty at this point. Yeah. But so what's the kind of par range you're running? Like what's kind of, what have you found to be kind of the maximum you can hit SPS with? And like, what's your kind of range generally? Um, well, of course, the halides, you know, the 65s, of course, are, are pretty high in par. Um, I kind of got out of the habit of measuring under the water at the actual coral. So I, yeah. I like to just measure right at the surface. It kind of gives me like a standard and uh, it's dry. So it's obviously going to drop, you know, a bit when you're in the water. Um, but I like to see, you know, anywhere between like 400 to 800, even, you know, under the halides, I get about 800. Wow. Uh, of course, yeah. that's at the surface. 
And, you know, at the actual corals, usually it measures around 300, 400, I would say, you know, at the most. Okay. Yeah, that's probably similar similar to what I'm I'm doing, too. So, yeah. No, uh, okay. Well, we can't find anything too different. <laughs> well, par is par. I mean, I know that, you know, I've got some low light corals and I've actually got a few that look better in the corner and that sort of thing. But, mm -hmm. you know, generally, you know, my intention, you know, my goal is, is growth and that sort of thing. So, you know, if, if more par is going to give me more growth, then that's certainly what I'm going to what I'm going to do, yeah. um, you know, kind of from the industrial standpoint of it all. But yeah. Uh, I guess another thing I wanted to ask you about was was flow because I saw you make a little post on Instagram the other day with your just absolutely ripping flow. <laughs> um, so you don't think that you know for let's I mean we're talking mostly SPS here. You don't think that as long as you're not blowing off the tissue, you're you, you're not giving them too much flow. Like you think you can just absolutely turbulent. Blast yeah, them. <laughs> I mean I, I think that I'm kind of uh, on the higher end of that. And uh, I will say this, like that video is like from a year, like I think it was about a year old. I like did a remix or something. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my tanks are all shallow and they're hard. It, like flow is hard in a shallow tank. It's a big yeah. rectangle, about 11 foot by four foot. So it's really not a conventional tank as far as like creating the kind of right kind of flow that you need anyway. Um, I settled on four uh, gyres in each corner and they one kind of, kind of like the video, one runs, you know, this direction, you know, for about five minutes and then it turns and it does that way. And it's been really effective, but uh, maybe a little excessive, you know, that video is almost kind of, uh, uh, kind of a glory, yeah. <laughs> as the word is, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, most of the tanks I have actually have found that, um, I have the, the smaller drives of the 350, I think is what they are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not quite as, not quite as strong as in that video, but, uh, you know, I, I would say that, yeah, as long as you're not blasting the tissue off, you almost can't have an, enough flow Yeah. for what it's worth. Yeah. So maybe I mean, we could fight about that. I've wondered if there is, if you, you know, if you compare to the ocean, if you, if you want to kind of give the polyp a little bit of a break sometimes, you know, if it's like, if, if, if there's some mm -hmm. merit in like, say, you know, if you do have a program that's pretty strong, you know, petering off a little bit for a few hours a day, like what, what's your thoughts on lower flow at night? Because like my experience in the ocean is that it's not necessarily calmer at night. You know, it can be a lot rougher at night. So, you know, I don't really quite buy into that lower flow at night thing. But I guess one of the benefits of that is that the corals might have the polyps might have more of an opportunity to pull in food in a lower flow situation. But uh, do you just run your pumps like nonstop? Uh, I, I'm kind of all over the place. I have yeah. ventured into the night mode. I've got the wave engines on most of those tanks and you can program night modes pretty easy with that. Uh, but again, I've gone back and forth sometimes thinking, oh, this seems like a great idea. Let's let exactly what you said. Let's let the polyps kind of come out and, and, you know, see what they can do. And other times I'm like, well, this tank has, is on night mode and, you know, the car doesn't look so great. So maybe I'm going to, you know, but this tank over here, like doesn't have that. Uh, you know, the, the, the pumps run 24 hours, you know, strong. And, uh, you know, so I'll notice subtle differences like that. And that usually will dictate, you know, whether or not I'm going to change this or that uh, when it comes to stuff like that. But uh, I've kind of gone down the night mode rabbit hole and uh, certainly not sold that it's uh, any better or like going to provide any. And I think maybe for the fish because they sleep, you know, mm. might, they might sleep a little better in the <laughs> yeah. nooks. But, you know, um, as of now, uh, I don't have, I think I took, took the night mode off of all the tanks yeah. for what it's yeah, worth. Yeah, I think it's a hard thing to quantify. You know, it's hard to know sometimes like mm -hmm. these little, little tweaks, especially like people will message me about, you know, their, my lighting schedule and they want to make some like little tiny point changes and, 
you know, the percentage of the white or the blue. It's like these little things are, mm-hmm. are so hard to see a difference, you know, like you, you have to just oh, yeah. change one one thing, let it play out for a while. Like, I don't know. It's it's hard to know. But like you say, I mean, we're always changing things and and hopefully learning along the way. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's the thing. You, you're just going to have to observe. And I guess the better observer you are, you know, kind of like what, what you do and kind of what happens when you do these things, you know, certainly the better you'll be at, at taking care of them. I guess that's if I've learned anything in maybe the, you know, 15, 20 years I've been doing this, uh, you know, to notice really tiny nuanced things that, you know, other people might not notice and, and then act on whatever, you know. I mean, I still get terrified when I see skeletons and, and I lose coral all the time. I mean, there's no like, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just especially acros that they just die. You look at them wrong and they die. And yeah. you know, maybe there's a reason, maybe not. But, uh, you know, it has been interesting. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of the methods that we didn't have years ago, like some of the testing, obviously, the ICP and like the, even the bacterial testing is kind of a new frontier for maybe solving some problems that, you know, uh, we haven't been able to address. But but, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's just I, I just tell people don't get too attached to your acros, man. They just sometimes they just die and there's nothing. Yeah, and unfortunately, it. sometimes it's when they look their absolute best too. That's when it really, <laughs> that's when it really gets right. Me. Like when there's right when there's no reason at all. I mean, that's yeah. kind of the thing where you know. And well, I guess I kind of have a process too. Like if I go upstairs and I see you know if, if there's a couple skeletons, maybe one coral with a little white patch, um, you know, I, my heart flutters a little bit. But you know, obviously, I, I try not to panic. The first thing you do is you look at every other every other coral or you know i have doubles and triplicates of just about everything mm-hmm. in different systems and you know you can determine pretty quickly whether it's maybe a global problem if it's maybe a problem with salt or ro water or a fluke with just one particular coral you know if i have four different colonies of the same piece and only one's doing it in this tank you know i just call it a fluke and i try not to think about it mm-hmm. and if, yeah. if that's all that happens you know then that's it but yeah. when you start seeing patterns <laughs> then you can get a little nervous and that's when you got to act a little more aggressively to you know try to figure out what's going on but yeah you know it's a process really i mean you, you kind of like you do it long enough and some of these things just kind of become you know not routine but like you have a you have a method you know to, yeah you know. do you uh, have you tried any um bacterial treatments for corals i mean that's a little bit of a hot topic right now um especially treating like a whole tank like I've, oh, like Cipro and stuff? Yeah, like I'm not opposed to it uh, as a, you know, quarantine separate system treatment. I'm a little bit hesitant about doing a whole system. And, you know, I think there's some studies going a lot, going on right now with oxalinic acid, which is a less broad spectrum versus the Cipro. So it might be a little safer. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, have you treated anything outside of the tank with bacteria or, or treated the tank itself? No, but I've been very interested in... Uh... Yeah, I've kind of been following some of these threads and stuff over on Reef Tree. You're exactly right. Some people are, you know, very opposed to it and, you know, have a lot of uh, reasons, you know, and, and it seems like you know, these people seem to kind of know what they're talking about as well. Yeah. Uh, but the, it seems like a lot of people have also treated without any problems and, and uh, you know, and had success. So uh, I'm kind of on the fence yeah. with that, you know. Yeah, I mean, like kind of a hot topic, like you said, it'd be interesting to kind of see a little bit more long term results of, you know, some of these tanks that have been uh, treated and that sort of thing. I mean, again, it's like kind of a new frontier. And and, and yeah, uh, the guy who uh, Aquabiomics. Yeah, I don't know exactly Eli. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Eli. Uh, really smart guy. I mean, I think that like what he's got going on is, like I said, pretty much a new frontier uh, yeah. in that regard. But um I'm always kind of like cautiously, 
like I kind of like stuff like that. I, I kind of have to take baby steps into. Yeah. And I think I think with Eli and Aquabiomics, like his system is going to get better and better as he gets more data. So, you know, right. like even right. if you think it's kind of early and you're like, ah, I just don't know if it's you know there yet. It's like the more data he gets because he takes information as well. Like, you know, how's the tank actually doing? Do you have any issues with this or whatever? I think there's like a questionnaire so he can factor all of that in and and start to see some of the things that are, you know, have a correlation between, you know, certain issues or whatever. So I think it's going to get better and better. Like, you know, it'd be nice if it was, I don't know, like it's for me, it's a little expensive to ship a kit there and it, probably the turnaround is pretty long. So um, I actually haven't done one yet, but I, I do intend to. And, and uh, you know, it's like at this point, think about it like you're supporting, uh, you know, a GoFundMe or something is something that's going to pay off kind of more in the future because, I do think it's like, like you say, when you see a certain one coral like go on you or there's some little random issue that just doesn't make sense. Like my theory is often it is bacterial related, you know, more than these swings and things we can see. There's some people that, that swear by it. I mean, I know that there's some people that that, you know, in fact, I, I had a customer down in Florida who a real smart guy, he uh, kind of headed up like a research facility. I mean, he was doing like you know, real scientific stuff. And he was losing coral, he was losing coral, you know, same old thing, like, I don't know what's going on, you know, you try everything, you throw everything at the wall, and he did end up dosing, and sure enough, his problems went away. So, yeah. you know, a pretty good testimonial, uh, but again, it's still, you know, it's kind of new, it, there, there aren't any real long-term, uh, you know, I've heard people kind of concerned about, you know, uh, that the bacteria would then come back stronger, you know, like the, the whole, I mean, the antibiotic, you mm. know, kind of caution, cautionary tales type stuff. Um, I don't know. I, again, it just seems like you said there's not a whole lot of data, not enough data for me. I mean, I don't know if I'm about to trailblaze uh, on this one yet. But, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. but I have been following along. I mean, like I said, even this friend of mine, I know that. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Title Gardens in Ohio. I mean, he had a little video. I think uh, that's his name. Uh, he had a video where he 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 did his whole system. I mean, a big you know big uh, commercial system, mm -hmm. and. Uh, you know, I think he had some. I mean, it seems like I have. I've heard more success stories than than horror stories. Uh, yeah. You know, people dosing at least Cipro and uh, I think amoxicillin even. So. Yeah, I mean, like running um, uh, Chemiclean, which is erythromycin, I believe. Um, like I've, I do that a couple times a year as a as a maintenance bacteria thing, and I don't have any cyano. It's uh, I just I do find that the corals look look better after better polyp extension. Um, sometimes just little issues seem to. I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's affecting more of the bad strains of bacteria that are in the water versus the good ones that are on the surfaces. But I can't say for sure. Um, yeah, actually, I don't know if you followed any of Dong, uh, Dong Zhao, I think. I can't remember his company. He's been on Reef Bum a couple of times and he's a he has a pharmaceutical background. Um, so those okay, episodes cool. are really good for. Yeah, see, that's the kind of stuff I'd like to pay more attention to, like people that can yeah. say, this is how it works. This is what it does. This is what it doesn't do, you know, totally. And, yeah. you know, this is what you can expect and that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah and I mean, something to consider, too. I mean, you know, we're we're taking this. Some people are taking this really seriously, but it's like the farming industry um, has been using antibiotics for years and years and years. And, you know, that's kind of part of our diet and part of our lives. It's kind of, you know, <laughs> obviously not saying right. it's, it's, uh, 
you know, it's not good. Like I try to eat meat that's antibiotic free if possible. But I mean, it's, we've been, you know, consuming, you know, products with, with that's anti, true. you know, those those things for years and years. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see how this how this goes. And I think as more studies come out, um, I think we'll learn more. But uh, do you dose any bacteria in your systems like for, you know, prophylactic? Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I mean, in all these years, uh, I hadn't ever done it. And uh, and I just, you know, I've known Sonny, um, you know, pro corals uh, forever. And, you know, he's a real proponent of bacteria. You know, he was doing vodka, you know, way back, kind of one of the pioneers even of that. And uh, he has kind I mean, he, his Instagram has kind of uh, started to take off a little bit. And he kind of kind of convinced me to give it a try. <laughs> Mm -hmm. At least, you know, I have a couple systems. My backup system is the system where I, like, decide to try stuff like that. So uh, it's kind of low-nutrient anyway, but um, oddly enough, I've been doing, like, he uh, is a proponent of coral snow, uh, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. To It's like a flocculent for uh, just to clear water. And kind of the, the other, st like, uh, caveat of that was to dose bacteria then. And, uh, and I, I guess I've just decided to start doing that. In fact, I've got the bottle right in front of me. Uh, it's the coral in... Little oh, okay. Zeo, yeah, yeah. Zeo back. Um, oddly enough, I need to buy more. That's why it's right in front of me. But um, so it's a tiny little bottle. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just I didn't know if I was going to use it. You know, I just yeah. I, I kind of baby like I said I babysit into these things, and I've only been doing it about a month now. So yeah. uh, I don't really know what to expect. I you know it may work. It, you know, a lot of these things kind of come and go for me. Like you know I remember even like when Acropower came out. Uh, you know, or amino acid and that sort of thing. And maybe you might have wanted to touch on that later. But uh, you know I don't. Like I dabbled and then I and then it, it, like I never committed to it that sort of thing. So yeah, uh, at this point I can't say that I'm going to commit to to that forever. But um, you know my backup system is generally my like let's see if this works tank, and uh, I guess we'll see if it works. Yeah, so it, it's mean, a really low. Uh, I mean it's a low nutrient system already, so I, I don't know that it it even needs it. But you know that's that's where I like dabble. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think putting some different strains of bacteria in is probably not going to do anything bad. Like unless you're rock bottom nutrients and you're, you know, adding more nitrifiers. But um, yeah, I've, I've added right. a few strains of different things. Um, you know, it's because like, you know, our tanks are always kind of cultivating whatever direction they want to go in. It's like we don't really have that much control of, of what's going on in the biome of the tank. So, um, you know, if there are some good strains in these bottles, uh, I mean, it, it could mm -hmm. be worthwhile, but um, you know, I've always been a, like, I've always used live, real live rock in my systems. I have rock back from my first ever tank, like 20 plus years ago. And I've always cool. started tanks from, from real rock. So, um, I think that makes a difference too, actually. Yeah. I, I, I do think that makes a difference. And this is kind of one of the things that's lacking, even with a lot of modern systems, but, but, yeah. um, know, you just got that bacteria. Are you running much live rock, like in your sumps and whatnot? Like, do you have a lot of rock in your systems? Or? I, I do. You know, when I set up the, you know, I, I had, uh, we, I built a new shop back in 2016. That's kind of what I've got now. And it's a lot bigger system. When I did that, I bought a thousand pound crate of rock from Marco, a bunch of dry rock. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, my old system had, kind of like you, I had all sorts of rock from back in the day, uh, which I still have. But when I started the system, I started the main system with only the Marco rock and all the old rock went into the backup system, uh, which oddly enough has just done well since, you know, <laughs> you know, it kind of has just done well. It's like the tank that, you know, the little engine that always can, but, mm -hmm. but, uh, I had a first in the first couple of years and even still, I think 
the dry, I think that the, I don't know that the dry rock, I mean, it's certainly a different product in that regard, but like, you know, like kind of random algae that grows on it that, you know, just, I guess I'm not entirely sold on it, but yes, I do have a ton of it. Most of it is, is now in the dark. I kind of have like a cryptic zone, uh, mm -hmm. in my sump and, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I it's been. I mean, it's system been up, set up since 2016, so it, you know it's well established at this point. Yeah. But uh, none of the original live rock that I had from back in the day went into the main, and uh, the first couple of years were a little, you know, pun intended, a little rocky. Yeah. Uh, you know, just I think been solely because of the starting off with the dry rock, and I did use water. You know, I, I transferred a lot of water from the old system, but I didn't transfer yeah. any of the live rock. It was almost kind of an experiment. But uh, you know, needless to say, the backup system that was set up at the same time, just continued to tick, you know, never had a pro, you know, it just it continued to run as if it, it nothing happened. You know, I, try, I had to relocate everything and, and, and uh, the live art probably had a lot to do with that as well. So. Yeah. 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 No, definitely. Um, I do find that the, the manufactured rock, like it's not as porous as the real live rock either. And so I totally. think, you know, you're just not getting the same kind of surface area. But um, a couple people I have talked to on this podcast, um, there's Ray from Pirate's Reef and uh, Leo, Leonardo's Reef. Um, both of those mm -hmm. guys don't really run much rock. Like Leo doesn't even have any rock in his sumps. His sumps are just like basically a protein skimmer, return pump, you know, whatever. Baffles, Interesting. But there's nothing in there. So the system is literally just corals, racks you know, fish and, and water. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, like it makes you kind of wonder like, you know, are the corals and the surfaces of the glass and the racks, like, is that enough, you know, to mm. obviously for him? So he has enough. no other, like, I mean, he, no. he has no other like area for like colonization of bacteria. Like, no, I it's mean, there's no literally just interesting corals and whatnot. And I think something that's kind of cool about that is if you're looking to problem solve uh, similar to mm -hmm. not having a sand bed, it's like one less thing to have to look at to be like, okay, yeah. this could be, you know, holding phosphates or leaching this or uh, right. Which I believe a lot of the Marco Rock. I mean, I don't contrary to maybe popular belief, I, I think that I had issues with the Marco Rock, and like I said, I had a thousand pounds of it when I first started. Yeah, but and I've seen Leo's uh, pictures, man. There, you know, there's whatever he's doing like yeah. his system is yeah. work his system's working for sure so i mean that's yeah. something to consider and these are the kind of things like you know i hear that and then it makes me think hmm, you know maybe i'll you know start ripping live rock out or you know at the very least maybe you know again start messing with the backup system and see if i can you mm -hmm. know tweak some things in that regard but but yeah. that's interesting so the other i'm sorry the other guy you said also uh, you, you, ray, ray pirates yes. ray he said he just has like a couple chunks or whatever but it's not mm -hmm. you know like i've got like i don't know in my 350 my SPS system, I've got lots of rock in the middle chamber. You know, it's a big cryptic sump with, I don't know, probably 100 pounds of rock or something like that down there. And, you know, I take it out once once or twice a year and blast all the detritus off. And the system seems a little happier after that. But um, Interesting. See, that's something, too, I never considered. But, but you know, I, I for a while I tried to kind of get uh, trap detritus and do that, that sort of thing. And, and I kind of gave up on that. But one thing I've never done... <laughs> Uh, as a means of like maintenance was actually take rock out and blast it. I guess I never even considered that, but, but 
Again, yeah. if you say things look better afterwards, <laughs> I'll put it on my list of things to try for sure. Yeah, and that's actually something uh, I kind of want to bring up. I'm going to do these sort of fact check episodes every once in a while, and we want to talk about detritus mm -hmm. and what it what it actually holds and what it leaches. And because um, yeah. I'd like to understand it a little bit better to kind of know some of the risks. But um, you know, it's possible that if you have a system with a lot of detritus, it might be holding some bacteria that could get onto your corals and cause issues um, it could be kind of a you know a breeding ground for some of that stuff but um, at the same time it could be a breeding ground for some good stuff too i'm not really sure so um, right that's you know. that's kind of what they say in fact i mean a lot of people say at least like i mean i at this point i had probably got a couple inches of muck in the bottom of my sump and i yeah. used to back in the, <laughs> in the good old days i would uh, in the basement i had a stock tank and like every month i would just blast it this is my my water change was this i would take a like a propeller pump shut everything off blast it and start you know turn it all up and then siphon all that out in one big you know kind of one big uh swell mm -hmm. and uh, so it would get all the detritus off you know the system i have now doesn't really allow that i mean it's, it'd be kind of difficult for me to do that um but you know i've heard a lot of people say like oh no that detritus it's just inert you know there's nothing to worry about there as far as like phosphate bombs and that sort of thing um in fact there was a there was a post on uh, that bulk reef supply um mentioned something about cloudy i can't remember exactly what it was having to do with like storing up detritus and like making your tank cloudy for a while mm -hmm. and uh that it was actually it might actually be a good thing i think it was kind of like meant to be a little humorous or something but uh but it did make me wonder or, or they might have posted something about it in the wild like you know the there's a lot of crap in the water i mean it's not yeah. crystal clear by any means and that, no. i think that's kind of where they were going with that but yeah uh, either way i mean it, I've, again, I've gone back and forth on detritus. I've worked really hard, you know, mechanical filtration, everything I can to try to get rid of it, and then said, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore, and let's see what happens. I don't know if I've ever had any, like, major shift one way or the other, uh, but I do think if I took a pump and blasted my sump now and let it flow through the tank, it... Uh, It'd probably be bad. It, there might be a problem. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't think it would be good. One thing I can say about uh, since I just did a, a big rock uh, clean in the sump a couple weeks ago, uh, I did actually get a little bit of a pH bump afterwards. So I think that's proof that detritus does, does it is a breathing organism basically. So it is actually putting uh, CO2, it's breathing oxygen. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. See, that actually makes sense to me. Yeah. That actually makes sense to me. Um, even getting kind of turning back a little bit, um, do you know about those two guys? Do they have a lot of fish in those systems or, I mean, any... Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I mean, I would imagine... Um, it just seems like there has to be yeah. something that would have to... I mean, at least that's the old... Maybe that's just the old train of thought, but, you know, something to kind of maintain, you know, that biological filtration, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but I could see if you had a really low fish load that you could get away with, uh, you know, very little biological filtration in that regard. But, yeah, uh, you know, just one of those things. I mean, obviously, again, the proof is in the is in the pictures, you know, those guys have nice looking corals. So there's, you know, their methods certainly are working. Yeah. You know, yeah. My understanding can. is both of those guys feed heavy and have probably a pretty, pretty big fish load. So, um, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, but you know, you get enough coral, you get enough large colonies and, and they suck nutrients up, you know, but. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I, I did an article. I mean, I used to write a lot of articles over on Reef to Reef uh, that yeah. touches exactly on that about how, you know, like a frag tank is essentially, uh, uh, kind of a refugium in that regard mm -hmm. that it's just i mean the nutrients are going somewhere a lot of times into the coral even if you're not running uh uh you know an actual refugium or something like a scrubber or something um that kind of thing where like where are the nutrients going 
Yeah. Uh, and sure enough, they're, the corals are taking them up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I guess I wanted to ask you about, well, we were talking about limits of things that you pushed. Um, it looks like one of your systems you're running super high nutrients, whether that is an in- intentional thing oh. or not. Um, no, no, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what that is. I okay. can give you the I can give you the quick backstory. So yeah. I my system is composed of six uh, large tanks, like eleven foot by four foot. Uh, about a year ago, I decided to uh, isolate one, and I, this is kind of going to be an experiment tank. But uh, all I did is I turned the valve off and and uh, and isolated it, and I pulled a couple of my larger fish, and I put it in there. And I also had some keto growing in there that I think was continuing to, uh, it wasn't really being tended very well. So I was feeding the tank really heavy. And mm. I think there was this continual die off of keto like under itself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was like the blinking 200 and, and that sort of thing. Um, the good news is I, I haven't put any uh, coral in that tank yet, uh, but I've got a kind of a cool plan for that. I'll, maybe I'll touch on that later. But um, the... Uh, the the FOSS is down to uh, I'm below blinking 200 now I think I, it was like blinking uh, it was at like 130 maybe or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, the nitrate right. was acceptable I can't remember exactly what it was but uh, no that was like at its worst yeah when it was just like a food bomb you know dead dying uh, you know macro and that sort of thing and uh, and uh, you know no I don't think any coral would have done so well in there but <laughs> no, I don't think but, so uh, yeah, yeah it was kind of a fluke. No, no nothing, uh, only fish in that tank at okay. this point. Now it's actually, I've kind of relocated the fish and I've spread them out uh, a little bit in my back. There's one fish in there now and uh, and the system is kind of leveling off. Uh, but, you know, you kind of got me thinking. I may pull all the live rock out of that tank and see what happens. You kind yeah. of got me thinking. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit more scientific kind of way of doing things, hey? Like I, like I said, it's like you're really isolating exactly the things that you're doing. You know, it's just less factors. So, Yeah. It could be could be something to it. Um, I guess like you know, if you or I wanted to change the sort of rock profile of our systems, just take out you know twenty percent, give it some time, another twenty, you know, do it over a batch of, mm-hmm. of you know. But I, I you know I like the idea of that because then what's going to be in your sump is j- you can siphon that detritus no problem, right? There's nothing you know for it to kind of hold on to. So right, super right. easy to siphon right. out. I mean, it actually makes sense. Yeah, especially with like a shop vac, which is like a wet shop vac, super handy. I don't know if you have one around your shop, but I do. Yeah. but I've never done that before. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. I it's did nice. actually when I when I built, you know, kind of when I built the system, I did have a plan because you know my method before, like I said, was to just shut the pumps off and and fill the sump with the, all the cloudy water and drain it. I did put a bulkhead with a drain on the sump for that purpose. Like I did have an intention of doing that, and I never. I never, I've never done it yet to this day, yeah. but you know, where I would just shut the water off, let the sump fill, yeah. crank the pumps and turn everything up and then drain all that water out. That was be my water change. Uh, so, uh, is there anything else like you would say you've kind of pushed the limits on, uh, like say alkalinity or like any certain trace that you've seen, you push the limits on where you've actually seen like a benefit? Uh, you know, a, a while back, I think when the, when the kind of the Triton test first came around, uh, you know, of course, I got one done, and I had uh, like zero iodine, and I think oh. a lot of people did. I, I don't know yeah. if it was a thing. You know, I, I don't know if it just didn't, if it was a testing thing. But um, you know, at the time, I, this is still back in the basement days. But I, I do remember uh, that. Uh, oh, I think iodine and potassium were kind of, uh, you know, that was kind of the thing even at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I remember even thinking a lot of my tissue looked kind of. You know, I mean, it was like kind of thin, even flaky, maybe even around the edges. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do remember seeing uh, 
a pretty dramatic improvement when I, after I started dosing iodine. And again, I don't know, you know, this is kind of anecdotal stuff, but, uh, you know, turning back the clock, I mean, it could have been so many other factors. It was the first time, like, that we had avail- these these kind of insights available to us, you yeah. know, I mean, yeah. with, the, with the Triton test and that sort of thing. Um, but that was one of the only times I could say, like, I got these results, and I added this, and then I kind of saw what I think was a relative improvement. Yeah. You know, other yeah. than that, like, it's it's pretty much touch and go for me yeah. uh, daily, <laughs> otherwise. Yeah. You know. Yeah, as far as alkalinity, have you ever run it on the higher side? Like, I assume you're in the 8 to 9. Yeah, range, you know, I'll tell you what, I, this is just even a recent thing. You know, I, like I said, I had uh, been using Tropic Marin, that's a whole other story, but I ended up going with Red Sea and mm-hmm. kind of almost by accident got the bucket that has the really high the black, elk. Yeah. I don't know if it's the red or the blue, whatever it is, I got a whole palette of that. And I thought, okay, well, since uh, I've got this high alkalinity, maybe I'll try to boost the system and we'll see if we can kind of, it'll wash out with water changes. And I did, and I probably got up to nine and it, it no good. It was, it was no good <laughs> at all. I mean, a lot of, you know, the, the, like the tank has, hadn't, hasn't looked that bad in a long time kind of thing. In fact, I don't know if it ever looked that bad. This is just probably about a year ago now, maybe yeah. nine, ten months ago. Um, needless to say, I kind of let it come back down. I know some people uh, can run in the 12s, you know, and I don't know if it's just my corals used to it. I, I really don't know, but uh, in my experience, anytime I try to, like, boost elk even a little bit, my coral, it, my corals don't like it. And it's yeah. just, uh, you know, just one of those things. Yeah, no, it's weird. I mean, I, I I do remember hearing about this is more like ten years ago or so, but people were running alkalinity on, on their systems in the ten to twelve range, and I mean that's just so far from mm-hmm. natural seawater, um, that you know, it's right, just, right, yeah. So, yeah, well, I, and a lot of people talk about like nutrients, like higher nutrients you can get away with higher elk, and I don't know if there's any correlation there at all. I think that just is one of those like it kind of makes you feel good, you know, like some. I don't know that there was ever any connection between those, other than it just that it kind of sounded good to say, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah. But I'm sorry, I, I, I cut, I interrupted you. Oh, that's fine. Um, what is your kind of sweet spot for nutrient levels? Would you say like what are you kind of what are you kind of what are you kind of happy with and notice things look the best? Um. You know, I guess I usually tell people, you know, low but detectable. You yeah. know, not you know, I've I've had tanks that have been super high. I mean, back in the day, I, you know, I definitely had like what I would call dirty tanks. Uh, I've never been a huge nutrient kind of chain tester, you know, chaser anyway, uh, in that regard. But uh, I've been a little more diligent with my little egg, yeah, <laughs> things lately, almost just kind of for my own curiosity's sake. Yeah. But um, you know, I never tested phosphate. Ever. The only time I would get a reasonable phosphate measurement was when I sent in a Triton test, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And sometimes it was really green and sometimes it was all right. Again, you know, I don't know that I ever noticed anything dramatic swinging from one to the other. Maybe with a larger system, maybe it's a little more forgiving. You know, I guess I don't really know. But uh, at least compared to like elk, like when, when elk got a little iffy, it was pretty noticeable. If my phos shot up, you know, I, I can't say that like, oh, my coral growth has slowed or something to that effect. I guess maybe I'm not as uh, keen in that, but there's nothing that would make me think, oh, this is a problem I need to fix now. But again, I still try to keep it low. I mean, I aim to keep it low but detectable. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, um, I mean, I, I recently I've been kind of pushing my PO4 a little bit higher. Um, and I noticed some corals really like it. Like millies seem to like more more phosphates for sure. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I I used to just I used to test, kind of it would I would occasionally get a test at zero, and then it was kind of zero 
and that sort of mm -hmm. seemed better but then i was like i just really want to ensure that it's in there so i kind of got the level up to like 0.1 kind of range and that's when like mm -hmm. some of my especially like i say the millies seemed a lot happier so I interesting mean, so I how know. are you boosting how are you boosting it like what are you doing to... uh i was using the uh neophos um from brightwell oh okay uh, interesting yeah but i've switched to another product a company called reef solutions uh and they make like a I don't know, it's super concentrated. Um, and I think it's just sodium phosphate. So it's only really adding a bit of salt and phosphate, but uh, it seems to work really well. So. Um, and are you adding yeah. any nitrate at all too? Or are you kind of, I mean, are you keeping them? Yeah, my nitrate, I've kind of like paid less attention to lately, but it's been testing around kind of two-ish, two-ish to five-ish. And I'm fine with that. So yeah, I mean, I've had it as high as 25 before and things look pretty good with that too. So, you know, I don't know. For the longest time, I really didn't pay much attention to nutrients. It's just one of those things that, you know, I kind of was pretty regular with water changes and you know, I didn't have a ton of fish, I think. And it uh, wasn't really a problem compared to uh, a display with tons of fish. And, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, like I never had to run like bio balls or, you know, or not bio balls, like uh, biomedia, you know, like the, yeah like in that stuff yeah. um and i think it's because my fish load is really low i've never had like tons of fish and had to feed a ton of food but but uh again d a little different with a display because it's, it's just a little different dynamic there but yeah yeah for sure i i the same for me like sometimes the the solution is just to add more fish which is kind of a fun solution you know <laughs> it's like oh i just get to add more fish and that'll solve my nu low nutrient issue and then i can feed a little bit more Right. Well, that's that's kind of why I asked you what you did to, uh, you know, what how you actually raised it. But but yeah, I don't know. Sorry, man. I don't know what is going on with this that's microphone. It's okay. I can probably fix it. Well, I'll take it. I'll take it to a little bit of a left turn here. So uh, you were talking a little bit about the Triton test, and and uh, I guess I was going to ask you if you kind of do regular ICPs or pay attention to trace much. Are you uh, are you doing ICPs? Uh, yeah, not religiously, you know, I, I guess kind of where I come from, like when things look a little off, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I'm a little more diligent, like, let's see if I can figure things out. And, you know, the, uh, vice, you know, the, 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 the flip side to that is when things are looking really good, uh, I'll try to get one in and just see like, this is a, a data point I can, you know, maybe work with, but, uh, you know, it seems like my results have been pretty consistent that, you know, I don't know that, uh, I did, I did, I had to do a lot of re, uh, I, I had a, some structural quirks with my floor, and I had to end up doing a, uh, redoing a lot of my plumbing. Uh, mm -hmm. This is, you know, quite a few years ago. And sure enough, I had, I mean, probably about 100 feet of 3-inch uh, PVC, and I had massive tin for uh, a couple of years, actually. Oh, and really? it just gradually went, it just kind of gradually went down, and that's something I would have never known had I not have had the, you know, the, the Triton at, at my disposal. Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't great. The first, you know, things didn't go so great. But, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. just a good... Uh, I mean, a, a, a way to at least have an insight into what's going on with your tank. Because I, I don't think I would have been able to determine, oh, it's probably the, uh, the, the tin from the PVC. You know, I mean, I wouldn't have had that insight. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I mean, again, there wasn't a whole lot I could do about it. You know, I kind of just had to ride it out and, and, you know, I did water train that sort of thing. But um, I've never had, like, a huge red flag where, like, oh, you're, although, uh, I'm going to kind of change the subject, but it's going to come back full circle, yep. I promise. Um, I have, I've been uh, running algae scrubbers. So, uh, like a while back, I posted a video of me cleaning this big Deltec uh, 
cup cleaning cup thing and it's a big pain in the butt and a guy just posted and he said something like you just get a scrubber dude or like try a scrubber like you won't have to worry about that and uh, I wasn't about ready to lose the skimmer but I did I've since then added a couple scrubbers of course I started with the backup system and now the main has a few and um someone mentioned you know if you're going to run a scrubber you probably want to start dosing trace elements mm -hmm. and uh and in, actually i can even bring this a little closer to home uh i got like the it, it has an eight in the logo i can't remember exactly what it was but oh uh, yeah todd from champ captivate yes yes yeah, todd from champion lighting yeah exactly exactly well it turns out that is pretty high in nickel and uh uh iodine mm -hmm. um oddly enough i did get a triton i sent a triton test in about a week or two ago and uh, I've never had uh, iodine or nickel off the charts like I do now. So I've been overdosing the traces for sure. Mm -hmm. um, again, a good insight without the Triton, I would have no, you know, I've since stopped dosing. I'll probably, you know, maybe do once a week now, not like once a day, like they kind of say. Um, yeah. But again, I would not have had that insight if I didn't have the Triton test. My iodine would probably be, you know, it, like to the levels that would cause horrible problems. I don't really know like how high it has to be to cause problems. But um, yeah, again. I think it's a good thing that it's a good tool to have in the drawer. Yeah, I think I mean the thing with a lot of those, um, you know, multi trace element um, products is like since the profile of every system is so different, like uh, it's you know it's really hard to know exactly what's going to get consumed faster and depending on the tank, right? So <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a tough one. I mean, um, yeah, I talked to Chris. Uh, Chris Wood, who's just such a well of knowledge. And, you know, he said for me, he's like, you know, you can use the MT, but like, you know, if your system's like high in this and high in this and super low in this, like you might want to just do the individual bottles and, you know, figure out your right. formula. But it's uh, definitely something you want to take slow. I mean, if you're going to add that, I think that that product is super concentrated, right? So did you dilute it and, and uh, dose it? No, I just put, you know, maybe a capful, like in my mains, about 1,200 gallons. And, and uh, I was just yeah. putting you know, maybe five, 10 mill milliliters a day. And uh, that was yeah, maybe about three months now it took to get, I should post a picture. I could send you a picture and you could clip it in uh, of the Triton test, but it's like off the chart. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but just nickel and, and, and iodine, like literally off the charts in my backup Crazy. and main system now. But yeah. up to that point, I had never dosed traces at all. I mean, there's, you know, maybe back in the day, like I'll just try this, but um, never religiously, uh, you know, dose traces or, or even saw a need to. Um, just kind of took the advice. Actually, it was Todd that said, "Hey, if you're using scrubber, you probably want to do this." And uh, and you know, I don't know that there's a detriment, but I'm going to be a little more cautious uh, adding from. I mean, I know that it boosts uh, uh, iodine and, and nickel uh, quite effectively. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's interesting that it got so high. So you didn't notice from the high iodine and nickel, were you losing anything, or were things kind of tolerating it, like? Oddly enough, my part. tank has never looked better. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to say it, but like, truth be told, like, it looks phenomenal. So, I, I mean, I, I'm, I will continue to add. I think I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to not do daily. I'm going to go, you know, maybe weekly in, in another month, maybe send another Triton and kind of see where it is. But, um, yeah. you know, coming from a, a place where I had never dosed trace, I mean, I never really dosed traces at all. Just you know, maybe a monthly water change if I, you know, maybe two a month if I was ambitious enough. Um, mm -hmm. So, 
you know, maybe there's something to that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't yeah. know. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it did. It is. It did boost other traces, but the only noticeable ones were, you know, the, the iodine and the and the nickel were off the charts. Yeah. And, but, I wonder. But no, uh, no, no, nothing that would make me think that it's causing any problems. Uh, yeah. At this at this point. <laughs> what would you say is what you've noticed? Like, what 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 looks better specifically about the corals with these parameters high? Because it's interesting to note that. Yeah, well, I mean, growth and color, you know, yeah. I, I can honestly say. And this is kind of coming off the, uh, you know, the the higher pH thing that I was talking about earlier. So, like, I did have slower growth. And another thing, um, I'll tell you, like, three things kind of happened uh, initially that have kind of spawned this, like, little bit better looking tank. And uh, uh, one was, you know, I kind of jumped on the Kalkwasser wagon mm-hmm. a couple years ago. No about, a, no, about a year ago. And, you know... I know some people swear by it. After about a year of Kalkwasser, things did not look good in my tank. I don't know if maybe I got a bad batch. I don't really know, but I kind of kept going with it. I kept going with it. Mm-hmm. Um, quit the Kalkwasser. Um, I have a 400 gallon per day SpectraPure uh, RO unit, and, and I might have pushed that membrane a little farther than it wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe about two or three years I, I, I had on that one. Ooh, yeah. uh, so I dropped, <laughs> so I, I, I got, yeah, well, you know, I yeah. mean, that's, it, that's kind of what I'm used to. But the thing is, I don't know if I'll do that again, because hear me out. Um, I got a new membrane, I ditched the calc washer, and uh, like I said, I've kind of been dosing trace elements. Tank went from kind of a slumpy, like, you know, something's wrong. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it seems like growth and color are kind of off to like, oh, okay. Like, that's a little more like it. Like, you know, corals that have just kind of been plugging along uh, have perked up tremendously, mm-hmm. I will say. And, and I don't know if I can attribute it to one thing particularly, but, you know, there were th- those were three major things that I did, and I have noticed a considerable difference. You know, I mean, hard to ignore. Yeah, uh, kind of kind of improvement. So, so you said you know, it was you stopped. That... You stopped doing calc. You changed your RO membrane, probably the other filters in there too. And what else did you do? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty religious with uh, with the, with the other filters. It was just the just the yeah. membrane. And the thing is, the TDS still reads six out of the thing, but I think that stuff's getting mm-hmm. through. Um, the third thing was started adding that. Well, I added the algae scrubber, which in turn, uh, yeah. uh, sorry, I bumped it again, which in turn uh, led me to start adding trace elements. So, you know, it might be uh, you know, uh, kind of like they might all be working together. Um, and, yeah. and I guess I did change the Red Sea salt, but, you know, I think I, I did have, I was kind of in that Tropic Marin, I know I mentioned this a little bit earlier, I was kind of in that Tropic Marin thing where, you know, a lot of people had problems. I wasn't using the Pro, and I don't, I'm not going to bash Tropic Marin at all, yeah. um, but out of kind of an abundance of caution, I decided to switch salts, and, you know, that was another thing that that changed, you know, that was a pretty mad, you know, global, mad, you know, change, but that was two years ago. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I could say that it was that immediate, but yeah. Yeah. So you had some of the, did you have some from the Turkey factory or was yours? I, I did. I yeah. did. And, and I, you know, well, <laughs> here's what I did. And again, I'm not in, I used Tropic Mayor for like over 15 years and I inevitably will go back to it. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, like an old friend at this point, but, um, I had a couple corks that I couldn't really explain. And, and then I heard about all this Tropic Marin stuff from Turkey, and I went on Bulk Reef and I bought a pallet of, you know, the German salt. And, uh, you know, it was just a little suspicious. It was right around that window, like when COVID was, you know, I don't, again, I, the, you know, the, the, you know, the minutia of that, I don't really want to get into. But, um, you know, I wasn't completely confident 
in the salt and that you know I used about half of a pallet of it and and I actually did some tests again in the backup system started doing major water changes with that salt just to kind of see what happened um, I will say what I did see was you know kind of what other people had reported was like kind of an oily film on the surface mm. and this kind of flaky white powdery stuff that didn't dissolve and okay. you know yeah I, I will say that I don't know that I had any dramatic problems I know some people had you know I wasn't using the pro but I know people had problems that they could definitively say like this salt is bad I don't know yeah. I don't know that that was me but again out of an abundance of caution you know I, I swapped so I bought a pallet of the of the of the classic salt thinking it would be good <laughs> I don't know it's in the shed I may just use it someday or yeah. and see how that goes but yeah. but inevitably I'd like to go back to Tropic Marin. I mean, like I said, it was an old friend. I never had a, it was the one thing. It was like the one thing that I knew I could rely on. And yeah. uh, you know, I don't want to. You know, we don't have to go any further. But uh, inevitably, I will switch back to Tropic. Yeah. Marin. And speaking of which, I'm actually switching to Tropic Marin. I just ordered like kind of like a half a pallet um, of the Pro, and it's made cool. in Germany. Um, but I'm actually switching from Red Sea. Um, and I, I like I don't want to I haven't heard anything too specific, but I know that some things are changing with Red Sea's manufacturing. So, um, yeah, it's funny. It's like it's like the know. same thing in reverse. It's like the same thing in reverse now um, that, you know, when this was happening with Tropic Marin, everyone was saying switch to Red Sea, switch to Red Sea. And now it's almost yeah. like it's <laughs> happening in reverse, you know, switch everyone's, you know, like switch back to Tropic Marin or switch to Tropic Marin. Uh, it's a salt. I mean, you know, I think someone said that, you know, no salt company's ever going to not have a problem. You yeah. know, I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, no matter, you know, I mean, it's going to happen at some point, something's going to go wrong and, and, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, some people had a lot of problems, some people didn't, but, you know, life goes on and, you know, it seems like whatever the, whatever the problem was, it's not a problem anymore. I mean, yeah. I've actually been talking to more people about that particular salt yeah. and that has seen me like, you know, that are switching to it or have been, have been using it and, you know without any issues it's been enough time i mean yeah tropic marin was was a bad boy for a while and now wants to be a good boy you know <laughs> it's like yeah well and, and that's kind of well. what i said too like like who, who's gonna who's gonna have the better salt like the company that like you know if a restaurant serves a bunch of crappy food you know or, or something to that effect and they get called on it you know they're gonna clean up their act you yeah. know i mean they're gonna be on their best behavior at least you know in that regard and, and i think you know this, I mean, Tropic Marin, the standard was was always super high anyway. So whatever it was was a fluke, and uh, and again, I'll even say the salt that I have. I'm not even saying that it is bad. I'm saying I was a little suspicious and skeptical, and maybe just kind of jumped on the bandwagon. But again, yeah. you know, kind of a faithful Tropic Marin user here. We don't have yeah. to go any further. Yeah, no, for sure, totally. Well, let's take a turn and talk about corals a little bit, um, which sure. I'm sure. You know, it's probably my favorite thing to talk about, probably. <laughs> um, so what's your kind of acquisition process and your kind of like feelings on, you know, uh, you know, bringing in mariculture versus, you know, aquacultured stuff that's mm -hmm. been in the hobby for a long time? Like, what's your kind of the majority of your collection and kind of how you how you get your corals? Yeah, well, it's a good question. I mean, you know, I used to obviously trade a lot and that sort of thing. But, you know, my entire collection of like the signature stuff uh, was all grown out from frags off wild stuff. I mean, I would get, you know, uh, even back from uh, Oculus, <laughs> you know, places like that. Or I have a local place, uh, Global Reef Supply. I guess I'll give them a little plug. But, um, you know, to, to get new stuff, I would generally get, you know, five or six colony. I didn't have a lot of money back then. But, but you know, maybe an order of 10 pieces. And yeah, every once in a while, a few of them would look nice. 
I would cut some frags, and most of the corals on my site literally are colonies grown from those frags. That yeah. you know, the, col- the colonies usually die, but the frags, you know, if you're lucky, they'll grow. And uh, I mean, that's kind of how my collection was built at this point. Um, I don't do, you know, obviously I don't like do a lot of buy. I don't like buy, sell, buy, sell. That's not really my, um, you know, my what I do. But yeah. um, to acquire new pieces, I have to get wild stuff. And I've got a couple. You know, my connections that kind of keep getting better. I've got you know a guy in Indonesia now, and. Uh, you know, I mean, it's nice to have good sources, but, um, you know, I still prefer to take the piece and grow it out and, and, and do it that way. And it's a, it's kind of tedious and it kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, as far as that goes, it's not like the easy way by any means. Um, but you do end up with a little bit better product, of, you know, a, a product that's, if anything, a little hardier and maybe a little more resilient and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, like versus like, you know, chop shop. Selling yeah, no, and I totally agree as far as like, especially the maricultured stuff. Um, you know, I've had some nice pieces that I've, I've brought in and I, I rebase them like pretty much right away. So I'll like get. Oh, yeah. You got to cut those bases. off. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, many, many times I'll like so I'll take a frag off of that colony and then one day that colony will just start going on me and the frag that I made from the outer growth is totally fine, you know? So uh, I think there's, I don't know, it, you know, colonies just tend to be more sensitive, but I think there are some inherent issues that come in with some of those mariculture pieces, um, you know, around the base. Like I, I, we've ta- ta- talked a little bit on this podcast before about green boring algae. Uh, and then potentially there could be something in the iron in the racks that gets into the skeletons as well. I'm not really sure, but you probably noticed yeah, the bottom I, of those bases I, are rusty. Yeah, sometimes. I've always wondered about that, like that kind of stuff. Like I'm super paranoid about stuff like that, you know, like weird yeah. things that, you know, in the lagoon really aren't a problem. But, uh, you know, whenever I get maricultures and the first thing that I get the bandsaw and all that stuff gets cut off. But, yeah. but uh you know, I mean, it's just that sort of thing. Like the cor- all the coral in the hobby that we have, you know, that it came that you know it did come from somewhere. So anything that's been in the hobby still had to come from somewhere yep. in that regard. And uh, you know, ultimately, you know, the hard part is keeping it alive and then you know actually growing it out. But but a little bit more rewarding, uh, maybe not financially because it's such a slow process. But but you've got stuff that's unique to you at the very least, you know, yeah. that maybe you can't get, you know, a good example would be, uh, my bubble bath unicorn, you know, just kind of a, you know, long time classic, um, just started off as a green nub, whatever. And, uh, um, just one of those classic, like got better and better looking, better and better looking. And then it's like, this thing's rocks. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's been with me forever now, but, um, you know, a couple of generations in, like people got it and they grow it out and that sort of thing. And, and it just kind of gets around. Yeah. That's pretty cool to see when, when, when it, it's cool to see when it's a coral that, you know, you kind of knew was something unique that you had and then to see multi-generations of it to a point where, you know, you've seen it in all these different tanks grown out into colonies. Oh, yeah. So oh, it's pretty cool. Rewarding. Those are my babies. <laughs> I mean, that, well, and that's usually what I say because, you know, kind of even back to what I touched on, like I don't have a display with like nice sprawling colonies that haven't been touched. Yeah. You know, so I see tanks of people like, you know, you know, three generations worth of like coral that they got from me. And I'm like, wow, like I've never even seen it look like, I didn't even, I didn't even know it could do that. Yeah. You know, cause my, my colony didn't grow for like three years or that sort of thing. It's just always in a state of abuse. So, you know, but it is kind of cool to think like a lot of these pieces I've had a long time that have been, you know, just visit the site, the first sale forms and you see, you know, a lot of people BC this, BC that. And, yeah. uh, I mean, it's, I think it's great as far as I'm concerned, like just that it's out there and like people have it and the more longevity it, it will, it will have, you know, just as a result. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, 
living vicariously through your through your kids, your coral kids, a little bit. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you uh, had much uh, experience with Malaysian acros? I don't. I, I don't have a hookup that I know of yet. Yeah. I've seen a lot of them. I know like the, the Spacoshas, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that Speciosa, right. Speciosa, yeah. You know, are, are super popular. I mean, they used to come in, I mean, every once in a while you would get one, uh, I guess a long time ago, in, like, in an Indo shipment, but nothing like what I've seen, you know, the last couple of years it seems like that stuff, the floodgates has kind of opened on that, but um, impressive stuff. I think they're a little finicky, but... Yeah, um, we we've talked you know, about it on the podcast, but it's uh, it's it's one of those things where you ha you haven't seen those multi generation colonies of those speciosa yet. So I think um, you know that right. those would be the ones I would be more likely to buy as one that's sort of been you know grown out and fragged and and you know had some you know a couple years in the hobby and then it's kind of proven itself to you know adapt to our right. Tenets. Right. Well, that essentially is exactly what my collection, like that describes my collection exactly. Like frags that were grown out from that wild piece that certainly are more steadfast in that regard. And, and uh, you know, once some of these Malaysian pieces are, have gone through that process, then certainly there will be more, uh, you know, probably goofy names and more just kind of available as, you know, hobbyists can trade them and, and sell them just as they do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely something um, with the mariculture industry is, um, you know, people think they're getting something unique sometimes, but it's like, it's very uncommon that you're going to get a piece that isn't, you know, being massively fragged and sent out. Like, you know, these, these companies that do mariculture, they, they have to apply for permits to, to do collection, you know, to actually add broodstock colonies. So, you know, like, I guess we could kind of get into the name game a little, I, I don't want to linger on it too much, but, um, sure. You know, like if a company is shipping mariculture corals and they're just sort of called this species or whatever, like, you know, it's like, where do you have a kind of a universal way to be like, well, this is, I knew this came from, say, Bali Aquarium. Um, you know, what do I, can we just call it that thing instead of having to ha come up with different new names for it? <laughs> like it just, I, I just, my problem is seeing different names for the same thing. Like, I don't mind the name. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think we need to give things a name to dif differentiate them because, you know, like the the species, it's, I mean, sure. I, I think that we should try to keep the species in, in the title or at least like present it with the coral we're selling. But, um, I mean, I like coming up with the names, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I've kind of been there, done that. I mean, I, I think I like probably peaked with names maybe 10 years ago and and have just kind of not really taken it seriously you know for a while now yeah um you know some of my certain pieces you know i'll slap something on there but you know like it's you know if just look at my site i mean nothing you know <laughs> i mean it's all goofy as can be uh i did yeah. put my foot down with rainbow tenuous uh, a couple years ago you know and i said i'm not naming another rainbow tenuous at all it's just going to be rainbow tenuous number yeah. one number two number yeah. three whatever it is uh you know kind of like zoanthids where they all kind of looks i mean it's just it's rainbow tenuous. I'm not going to come up with like another silly name and to call this one that looks just like that one, yeah. you know, something different, you know, whatever. Uh, and I just sell these things as like box, you know, you can get a box of, of that, of a pack of those things. Uh, if that's, if that's what you like, mm -hmm. but, um, I definitively said I'm not naming rainbow tenuous anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, a funny thing about tenuous too is, um, or be, or Biafra, I guess they're not tenuous. They're actually, yeah, like I was going to say Biafra. that. <laughs> so that's yeah. going to be, I think that's going to be a tough one to stick, you know, like it's similar to even the the Acan Lord uh, Micromusa thing like it's 
like I know I, I don't want to like take anything away I, I love that the science is getting you know they're getting a better picture of the differences in species and whatnot but yeah it's it's tough when it's like you know we recognize this coral as a tenuous and and or the hammer thing with the fib fibrophilia it's going to be hard to get that to stick like <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's it's ten I mean it's tenuous for sure and and it, it may run its course I mean like I mean, just as with anything, you know, the more people want it, the more they're going to bring in. And then you get to a point where, you know, kind of everyone's got little frags of rainbow tenuous and and it kind of runs its course. I guess we'll see the next. I mean, it seems like the next some like the Malaysian stuff is kind of the next thing in line, I think, to kind of, you know, take take the yeah. the, the helm of that. Yeah, because the Malaysian stuff is wild um, collected, right? And um, I mean, one thing, like Reef Raft Canada always had really great stuff. And part of that was he brought in a lot of wild, uh, like Indo stuff too, right? And mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know, like, that's where you're going to get those unique morphs and corals that aren't, you know, the same as the maricultured, like, he, he would get stuff I'd never seen before, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll never forget when they kind of came onto the scene, you know, back, I mean, that was like, it was in Canada, so they had a lot of trouble. I mean, everyone just kind of went crazy for it, but they had a lot of trouble getting it out of Canada. Or no, you're in Canada. Yeah, I am. <laughs> so you, like, you're, yeah, you're you're in the, yeah, I mean, you're there, but like us down down here, like they, they kind of came onto the scene on Reef to Reef and that sort of thing, and we all just went nuts for it. I mean, a lot of that early stuff, like the uh, Wolverine, I mean, some of those early ones where we'd never seen anything like that, even yeah. like the Red Dragon, of course. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but then, of course, look what happens then. As soon as something becomes popular, then then they go look for more of it and they find it. But, um, you know, I'll never forget, like, just not even believing my eyes seeing some of these pictures, thinking, like, that can't even be real. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was like the CJ's Pinky, you know, some of yeah. those early pieces that they kind of, you know, unleashed on all of us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they kind of knew what to look for. <laughs> yeah, no, he had connections there. I think he's uh, yeah. Filipino, maybe, um, or maybe Indonesian, I'm not sure, but he, yeah, he had family connections there, and, and, uh, yeah, early on, sort of knowing what to cherry pick for, um, yeah, and then probably the areas to collect right. as well, like, where some of that special stuff is, but I think that kind of yeah. went hand in hand with, um, around the time Reef Raft, because let's, let's face it, I mean, I think he was pretty early in the name game thing, uh, was probably similar to the time where we started to have more LEDs in the hobby, too, which I think, might have oh, yeah. popped that, some of those colors more, right? Oh yeah. In fact, I mean, I would say uh, concisely that blue lighting is responsible for the popularity of like ninety nine percent of what is popular now. You know, yeah. case in point, you know, I had rainbow tenuous in my system under ten Ks years before that, and you know, I didn't give a crap. Nobody really gave a crap, and then all of a sudden, shine blue light on them, and yeah. uh, they become. You know, obviously, there's there's no other uh, example than uh, you know Mike's uh, Walt Disney. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that kind of was just, it was a thing, and then blue lights came around, and all of a sudden it was like, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And uh, even torches. I mean, tor torches were like, you know, bar bargain bin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and they just because they didn't look that cool, green. but, you know, yeah. but they looked really good under blue lights. And I think, like, probably one of the biggest changes, you know, in the hobby and, and kind of what's collected and what's, you know, appreciated certainly is, is the fact that it looks better under blue light, that we can now provide them uh, to look that way, you know, which... Even with like a 20k halide, you don't get that, and actinics even, you don't get that effect of no. like kind of what's behind me a little bit. But um, you know, which I mean, it, I mean, it's just it, it, hobbies evolve. It's, I don't have a really have a problem with that. Yeah. But 
you know, I think that the divers, even as they picked up on that, because, you know, one, th one thing I did notice, you don't see too many blue corals come in anymore because no, they don't no. look good, you know, <laughs> like they're not collecting them. You know, I always figured that the divers were down there with blue lights now looking for stuff, you know, underwater that, that reflects, and the blue corals aren't going to do that. They're going to look terrible, so they're just leaving them down yeah. there. And, you know, I kind of miss some of those nice blues, actually. I, you know, I think part of it, I thought about the blue thing, too. And I think part of it is that um, we have such good blue corals in the hobby that they're not selling from an export end. Like, um, you know, the Cali tort, Oregon tort, some of those torts. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get any more blue than that. I've got lots of nice blue stags, uh, some, mm -hmm. some blue, True. really super deep blue tenuous. And it's like, I, you know, I think the blues kind of covered, but like you say, I mean, it's like in a, in a whiter system, you're, those colors are going to pop more. So, um, yeah, I just, yeah, like I haven't seen a lot of blue SPS come in. It's true. There's a good, yeah. Right, right. It's just, it's just, well, it's just because it doesn't really look that great. I mean, I think it, I think it's definitively connected to the fact that it just doesn't look as good anymore. I mean, like, like, they, I mean, though, like those guys kind of, especially with even social media, like they could kind of tune in to what people like now. I mean, that, that yeah. whole dynamic kind of changed as far as like, they could look and see like what someone was selling on Facebook and, you know, then they would go and look for it for, you know, just, I mean, it was a lot easier for them to kind of dial into what people wanted versus just going down and grabbing a bunch of whatever, uh, which, in, I mean, again, a lot of kind of some of the weirdest oddball stuff I got, I got way back then, you know, because yeah. they, they, they just grabbed it. And they're like, I don't see any stuff like that anymore. Like just weird stuff. Like I don't really like yeah. chonies and yeah. stuff and like, you know, weird deep water, like the whole deep water craze. Like I loved all that crap. Yeah. And well, you don't actually, see it so much anymore. Funny, funny story on that front. Uh, there's a shop that uh, does wholesaling and a lot of importing um, that I that I buy from. And uh, one of the owners, like, I don't think he's been in the hobby for a ton of time, like maybe five years or six years or something. Um, and they mostly all the shipments, a lot of the shipments they bring in would be majority tenuous and millies because, you know, I mean, those are kind of the hot millies and tenuous right, right now. Right. Yep. And uh, they had the shipment land and he's like, oh, you got to check this one out. And he takes me over to this this back system and he's like points to this coral. And he's like, have you seen this before? And it's like a Lorepez or something like that, like like a pretty or a granulosa. And I'm, I'm like, dude, this is a coral we used to get all the time. Right. You know, that's and to I mean. you, like, that's you like, whoa, that. have you seen this before? Like, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I'm like, that's that that was like, you know, super regular, like 10 years right. ago. We get right. those in all the time. So but right. it just it doesn't it doesn't like glow under under, you know, LED. I mean, I, like I said, I think that really has been one of the definitive uh, drivers of you know, kind of what people want in their tanks, you know, I mean, because don't, I mean, they look good. I mean, the thing is, when you blast yeah. them in blue, they do look good. But, you know, that just, it like, it's kind of like, I don't know what the, like, uh, the dog chasing his tail or something. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly yeah. if that's the right thing. But, you know, we keep getting, like, as, I mean, as that stuff continues to, to, to look, well, I guess I, I ponder, like, what is the next, what's around the corner then? I mean, like, what, you know, where, where do we go from here? Yeah. I mean, uh, what are you kind of like? It seems like your photos are pretty white, like from what I've seen, things you posted. Yeah, most most of the site, I would say like eighty to ninety percent. And, and it, I'm so behind on pictures; it's not even funny. Like I kind of took a picture tank down. Like I have a little. I won't even get into it. I'm just so behind on pictures. But ninety nine percent, I should say, eighty nine percent of my pictures were shot under uh, radiums, you know, which is essentially a pretty white bulb. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I even remember back then, like if there was even a hint of blue. And another thing I noticed too, like the acceptance of blue uh, photography, and like the acceptance of kind of like, shh, can I can I swear or no? Yeah, yeah. 
the acceptance of like shitty pictures <laughs> somehow that like you know, ten years ago would would be like laughed at and kind of run out, you know, run out on a rail. But um, you know, I would even if I had a hint of like blue in my egg crate, I would adjust that. You know, because yeah. I didn't want someone to be like, you got look at that blue, and you know, like look at that fake. Um, you know, so I tried. You know, I, I worked really hard to represent like at least under the day, you know, under the radiums as clear and crisp white as I could. Yeah, and you know, that's just kind of what kind of what I did back then and most of the corals uh, were shot under that you know I've recently I've been experimenting with blue lights and orange filters and that sort of thing and I'm not like I haven't I think that's why my photography has has uh, I don't want to say plateaued but has stalled <laughs> for yeah. lack of a better word like the system that I had that was so great um, you know kind of as the corals changed and it, you know I kind of needed to represent like that glowing tenuous look you can't do that under a, a radium, you know. So I, I still haven't really found my groove uh, in, with photography like I did under the radium back in the good old days. And, and yeah. uh, you know, just one of those things, like, I'm constantly trying to, to, to fix it, but, um, yeah. you know. So uh, like, do you have, what are you using for a camera? I've got, I use a TG6, Olympus TG6, the underwater camera. Um, cool. And it's, uh, do you not know about it? I think, you know, my mom uh, is a diver, and I yeah. think she has an underwater camera, and that actually sounds familiar, but I'm not, I'm not personally familiar with it. Yeah, the TG6 has all these macro modes, and uh, it's just awesome because you can just stick it in the tank. And once I was going to say, right in the water. Yeah, so you don't have to shoot through the glass or like a viewer or whatever. Uh, so most of all the photos that you see like on my site and whatnot are with the TG6. Um, I think the 7 just came out and it's like almost exactly the same. So um, you should check your like local marketplace or Craigslist, see if you can find one for cheap or if your yeah, family member has how close? How close can you get to the corals? Like would you say? Oh, you like, can get right close? up. That's the thing is it's got these macro modes where you can just yeah, get like that's cool. right up to it. So um, yeah, some of the videos I've posted and whatnot, they're, they're with the TG6. So um, it's, it's freaking awesome. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. In fact, and you know, another one of my bigger hurdles is with my shallow tanks, uh, I can't shoot. Yeah. With I have a Canon 60 and a Zeiss macro. It's a planner lens, fantastic yeah. lens. In fact, you know, most most of my shots are taken with that. Um, but I can't get the water's too shallow in my tanks that I can't get a, a shot in focus. Yeah. Unfortunately, so I actually had for the longest time had a tank set up as like my studio tank. And I'd have to take the coral out, take the frag packs out, and set them up and do all that. And, but <laughs> yeah. that's how I got good shots. I mean, it was a dedicated yeah. tank and lighting. Everything was perfect. And, uh, you know, I, it's, it's came down. It's, you know, it, I've taken it down. I've set it back up. Uh, I'm in the process of kind of rebuilding a new, oddly enough, just today working on a new tank for that. But um, I, it's kind of unfortunate that I can't get that close. I mean, I can't really shoot frags. I've got a ton of frags. If I could mm -hmm. just do like, a, you know, I get asked a lot. Uh, to do like a WYSIWYG. Yeah, yeah. One of my biggest like, dude, you got to, you know, like, like, like if I put out like a questionnaire, like, hey, what would you like me to see more of? Um, that's usually on the top of the list. I don't like, short of using, you know, my phone, I don't, I can't use my nice camera to just shoot, you know, 100 frags because I can't get there. Yeah. It's, my water's too shallow and, it's, <laughs> and yeah. it sucks. But, you know, I would consider maybe, you know, getting something like you've got if it would allow me to do that. Yeah. The other nice thing I would say about it is you can uh, you can shoot from a little bit of an angle underwater, too. You don't just have to have that direct above view of the coral. Yeah. So you can kind of yeah. get a little bit on the side. And yeah, no, it's awesome. Uh, just remember to close the clasps on the side <laughs> and keep the yeah. water well, out of it. Yeah. You know, I, I will tell you something. Uh, like my my earliest shots, I think the snipers 
bubblegum on this. So I, I did use, uh, like when I first started my business, like day one, like maybe week one, um, I did use my mom's, one of her underwater cameras. And I, I want to say, I think it might have been, it yeah. had a big case. It had like a big case thing and it was real clunky. But um, some of the pictures on the site, because I never got another picture of that sniper's bubblegum, are from... <laughs> You know, my old, I had a 300-gallon display way way back then, and I just stuck it in the tank and took pictures of my colonies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were It worked pretty well. I mean, they were a little saturated, and I didn't really know exactly what I was doing, but um, I, I think I should... Actually, I thought, I've got an iPhone. Can you... Can you stick that in the water and take pictures or no? I don't know. I mean, I think they're water resistant, <laughs> but I'm not yeah, sure. I've been, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't put it to the test. Maybe if I get a new one, maybe, you know. Uh, but I thought maybe that would be something to try. If you could just stick it underwater and yeah. take a picture, you'd kind of have the same effect. But Yeah, you can get cases too, but I don't think you're going to get the macro mode that you need to get close enough. Right. Like, you right. know, my, my systems are 16 and 14 inches deep. So like with the racks, it's like I've only got... I don't know, like eight to ten inches from the surface is where a lot of the corals are, right? Or yeah, so I've only got about four, so yeah. I mean, it makes it really tough uh, yeah. to do that, unfortunately. Yeah. But I may look into that. I mean, I'm, I'll maybe I'll talk to you after this uh, about that camera yeah. you've got because sure. I, uh, I, I put probably one like of my that. biggest like. I, I put things like that in the show notes too, so there'll be a link link to that. To yeah, notes. no, that's good. I mean, honestly, one of my biggest kind of. I don't know if it'd be hurdles or kind of like the biggest kind of monkey on my back is that like uh, my photography has almost came to a grinding halt. And, you know, I got all these new pieces. I send out pieces in battle boxes and they're like, you got colony shots? I'm like, you know, the same song and dance. Well, no, I got this picture tank and yada, yada. You know, I give them this, you know, this little spiel. But uh, ultimately, like, I just don't have a setup that I'm that happy with anymore to... uh, to shoot kind of like I did back with the old halite and I would take even like fluorescence and you know side light him and stuff like it was a, it was a good yeah I mean some of those shots turned out really good I will say and like once I kind of ventured into bluer lighting like I just never found like that perfect uh point you know because it just like it never calibrated the same for me after that but yeah uh yeah so I wanted to ask you about like your how you supply your major elements like are you using calcium reactors two-part what's your kind of main source yeah i am all in on the calcium reactor now mm-hmm. i uh you know as i mentioned i i kind of dabbled with the calc washer and and i just don't think uh it didn't my system wasn't happy about it and i, I guess my main uh again my backup system was still running a calcium reactor the main system had the calc washer backup system looks great the main looks funky you know so that's always kind of my uh, my gauge i have a you know i can having multiple systems at least you can gauge and see like maybe if this isn't happening on this system you know maybe it's something like the calc washer anyway um calcium reactor all the way although i will say there was a little blip uh i've been using reborn forever in fact before reborn there was a media called gen x media and -hmm. it looked just like reborn uh but it went away and and kind of ended up coming back as reborn now i don't know if it's probably a different company but just the little skeleton pieces yeah Uh, Yeah. sometime through covid the reborn that we all know and love kind of went away and it came back as this little these little piddly little pebble things Hmm. and uh i was a little sketchy i was a little skeptical about it you know right off the bat i i had this big plastic tray thing and i dumped the whole bucket out and i searched through it and i found all sorts of weird things little magnetic things (laughs) yeah Yeah, i found a little an actual little dial pieces of glass you know things like that uh needless to say Okay, there was one other thing. There was one other thing that changed too. Uh, that now th- uh, that I realized, um, at, you know, that the system seemed to have perked up, and that was that I, f- I finally got the reborn back. 
Uh, I mean, the old Reborn that we all know yeah. love, the big coral skeletons. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so I've been running that real small kind of potentially interesting stuff. And, you know, I think that my tank wasn't so happy with that. But, it, you know, uh, I've gone, you know, full, since I dropped the, the calc, I've gone full bore uh, calcium reactor again. I've always ran a calcium reactor, you know, almost since day one, you know, back in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like my comfort zone, you know. I mean, my pH is always low. Again, that, that was another thing, another facet. I started kind of chasing pH a little bit. Um, and that's kind of what led me to do the calc washer thing. And I was running that at night and the calcium reactor ran during the day and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, even another factor, probably just the instability of it all with the calc washer may have had an effect on it too. Maybe not the calc washer itself, but, you know, trying to do this daytime, nighttime, you know, I don't think my elk was really stable for that whole year, but, um, basically calcium reactor, calcium reactor all day long. Yeah, I'm a big fan of calcium reactors, like, for a lot of reasons. Like, I think just because it's such a steady base level of, you know, your your main elements right. being supplied. And, um, you know, obviously, there's the trade-offs of the pH. Um, so that's the reason I use calc as well. And then I also dose two-part, mm-hmm. well, three-part with the magnesium. Um, but that's more just to give me a little extra, you know, uh, control on the actual calcium and alkalinity levels you know so <laughs> but um so how are you adding the calc washer so the calc is just dosed at night and i have it in a it's like an 18 gallon uh jug so i make it up about once a week um and it's mixed at 6.5 grams a gallon um which is that's kind of the chris meckley uh concentration that he's he's all about um where basically calc pretty much all will dissolve at that um at that concentration so you don't really end up with this slurry in the bottom you end up with a little bit in the bottom but not much um so yeah but my ph runs pretty high um like 8.3 to 8.6 is kind of my range so like what oh, okay. you must yeah, that's be, high i guess yeah that, yeah, that could what, be something we could fight about yeah well what about you yeah, like, i would say i mean I, uh, I, i'm on the low end i mean i you know i have a couple mechanisms to help a little bit i do run the effluent right into my uh skimmer you know that helps a little bit yep. And I've got a big old uh, heat recovery ventilator that helps ventilate the whole room. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still hitting, you know, low seven, seven, you know, seven point seven, and maybe a highest I'll see is eight point two. You know, on a good day when the, yeah. you know, the the fans are on, and I mean, when I'm getting a lot of fresh air in. But no, eight point six. I've never seen it. I don't yeah. think I've ever seen eight point five, uh, yeah. let alone eight point six. So, yeah. uh, but let me ask you, like. Did you have a period that you were running it in lower pH, and did you notice any difference, you know, with the higher pH? Because that's kind of, you know, kind of a, a recent hot topic as well, it seems. Yeah, I definitely noticed corals growing faster when my pH was elevated. Okay. Um, another thing I would say is, like, I think that a lot of the kind of bad mojo that happens in a tank, it happens when the pH is low. Like, it happens, like, you know, my understanding is some of the bad pathogens and bacteria um, kind of thrive in those lower pH environments. Mm, um, and that's I, interesting. Yeah. I mean, even though, um, you know, the coral growth, it, it kind of makes its own kind of reaction and the pH is different in the coral tissue than it is in the water. Um, I think you're just really supporting that reaction to happen, um, properly with an elevated pH. And I'm not saying it has to be, mm-hmm. I don't think it has to be 8.6. I just think, yeah, you might be at the lowest I would be comfortable with if you're 7.7, like, um, right. Yeah. <laughs> but, and that's just cause I'm dumping, I'm dumping so much CO2. And I mean, if I didn't have the, uh, 
the uh, well, like I'll give you an example. When it's really, really humid here in summer, I have to shut my ventilators off, mm-hmm. and and it will drop, you know, to what seems to be dangerously low levels. And I think if anything, they can kind of tolerate it for a day or two, even. But again, at night, it, you know, sometimes they get pretty low, and uh, you know, I guess it's just one of those things that. I think about back in the, in the in the basement days. I didn't even test pH at all, and I'm guessing that I had way low pH back then. I mean, yeah. again, didn't really even pay attention to it. But um, you know, I was inside a house, no windows or anything, <laughs> and just blasting calcium reactor 24 hours a day. But um, I would say the ventilator up in the shop upstairs has done wonders just to keep it from dipping into what would probably be dangerous levels. Yeah. I, I would hope. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think it's good to get. You know, that's kind of like data kind of showing that like you can have really healthy corals with really you have really good growth from what I can tell, too. Um, and your pH isn't high. It's not elevated. So, I mean, presumably, you know. I know that uh, a good buddy of mine, Tim uh, in Ohio, I think he's pretty close. I don't know that he's getting ultra high uh, pH. It, it blows me out of the water with growth. I mean, I think I, mean, mm-hmm. I think his pH is on par with mine. And, uh, and his growth is incredible. I think he's got the magic touch. But, um, I mean, I'm not convinced that low pH is, a, is you know, um, connected to slower growth. But I do. it does seem like higher pH might be connected to faster growth. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that my growth is, is being stunted by the lower pH, but it, it might be faster if I had a higher pH. I would yeah. not uh, fight you on that. Yeah. And, like, you know, for me, looking back, like... Um, my old display was a 180 and I, I ran only a calcium reactor and I grew massive freaking colonies, like super fast growth in that tank. And I never even looked at my pH back then. You know, it was like, it was such an afterthought. Yeah, same like, here, <laughs> same here. Didn't even have a meter. I didn't even have a pH meter on my calcium reactor. I just had to dial it in kind of the old fashioned way. I mean, like pH was not even like on my radar, <laughs> Yeah. you know, at, at all. But, you know, it seems like in hindsight, it's funny to think back, like I feel like I'm still chasing the growth I had like in my first tank you know <laughs> and uh like no matter how far along i get like uh, i still can't match that and maybe it was just dumb luck or like hindsight is got some weird blinders on or something but like i think about some of my early tanks that like without any real knowledge of what the heck i was doing uh just thrived yeah. and like kind of became the the barometer by which i measure all my future systems by somehow so mm-hmm, i don't know mm-hmm. if that's good or bad but you know, kind no, of like you said like it's the, funny looking back to a time where we kind of kept things more simple and and uh you know didn't look at trace elements and and like yeah we had good results like i don't know like like i don't think i would be right. able to keep in my older tank, like some of the sort of more nuanced uh, colors of some of these rainbow tenuous and whatnot, I don't think I would have gotten pulled out those colors. But I mean, things for well, you hurt. might not have seen them if you weren't running That's LEDs, true. though. That's the That's thing. True. Yeah. That's the thing. But uh, but I agree. It seems like I mean, there was a time we could kind of go on all day about like the good old days. But but <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, the, one of the biggest changes were like nutrients used to be bad, but now they're kind of good. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and we, I think we can all collectively agree that like zero nutrients is not ideal at all. No. And uh, you know, that was one of the main, you know, kind of the main channels of, of wisdom back then. You yeah. Know? So I, I wanted to ask you, are, are there any products that you dose that you kind of swear by or kind of really believe in? Like we, we didn't we touched on amino acids and bacteria a little bit. Is there anything else like you've added and you've kind of you kind of like what it does for your corals? Uh, yeah. I mean, I should say, no. yeah, no, is what I should yeah, say. No. I mean, I'm, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's a question I do get asked a lot. And, 
and and I'm really uh, you know I have dabbled a little bit you know like I mentioned with aminos and and you know back then like when they kind of like there was a potassium thing you know uh, and I've never committed to any of it. It seems like I always just kind of come back to the to the basics, uh, fish food, except for you know my recent kind of journey into trace elements because of the algae scrubbers. Yeah. Um, you know I don't. You know I've tried uh, some of the foods like reefroids, obviously, and uh, the the benepets. I don't know if I'm pronouncing yeah. that right. Yeah. Um, you know some things like that that are like actual food, but when it comes to uh, I, actually, I should back up too. Uh, my backup system is very is kind of inherently low nutrient. I do add nit- uh, nitrate to that. I had like mm-hmm. the the uh, it's like super nitrate from. Uh, I mean, it's like a five times concentrate. I can't think. It's got a funny name, like nitro nitrate or something like that. Yeah. Um, I have been adding that. Um, almost kind of. It's almost essential because I mean, at zero, I think that tank suffers. But you know, I don't. There's no like. I'm not going to call it snake oil like product that isn't really like just something that claims to do something good yeah. that I've added that, that I've ever committed to at, yeah. at all. I mean, it seems like I'll try it out. I do. I mean, I think I've had, uh, like when I first started using Acropower, um, all sorts of weird bacterial blooms, you know, and then I was like, okay, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. Or aminos in general. Um, again, maybe I just didn't do it long enough, uh, but I've never committed to any of those kind of additives in that yeah. regard. Yeah, and I think when some people see a benefit, it's, um, you know, it could be something else that's happening from that product that was lacking. Like, I saw really good results in my acros when I dosed Flatworm Stop. So that's uh, the KZ Flatworm Stop. That's a product I've been using using for years. But looking back on it, um, you know, that bottle has iodine in it. And there's a discussion on the Moonshiners uh, Facebook group that's got a lot of good info from Andre in there. But... um, yeah, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's possible that my acros did better because my iodine was low at the time. And maybe, you know, maybe some of the other things in there were just acting as a carbon source, uh, you know, which may have benefited mm-hmm. the system at the time, too. But it's not always like it's, um, you know, it's it's exactly the product that you're, <laughs> you know, is, is intended for necessarily. So, yeah, there's no yeah, magic. No, that's, in, that's interesting. <laughs> No, no, unfortunately not. But I have all, I have been curious about that flatworm stop though. Just that, the, I mean, the claim is that it kind of provides something that makes the tissue stronger, more, yeah. you know, potentially resilient. I mean, maybe not. I mean, maybe a good additive outside of the the realm of like to deal with flatworms. That there's something in it that might just be that might be beneficial. Yeah, you know? yeah. That maybe other than the iodine or something. I don't know if there's any definitive uh, data on that, but. Uh, I've, I've often wondered about that because that's like the one specific product that kind of claims like it like kind of does something chemically to the skin that might make it resilient or, yeah. you know, even, you know, to bacterial problems or something. But Well, I'm uh, discontinuing it. I'm discontinuing it for a while just to see if things get worse <laughs> or better. So, yeah, well, because, that would be a yeah. good I mean, yeah, I think that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there'll be no I mean, a, a clear uh, visible Example: If you can see that, you can say, "Oh yeah, I stopped doing that, and then I saw that." I mean, that to me, like, that's the kind of info that I like. I need to to make my decisions on. Yeah, and if it's the only thing I do at the time, as opposed to four things at a time, then I can sort of know. That yeah, that's well, that's the hard part. Did it. Right. Yeah. Like, I changed my RO membrane, and I did this, and I did that. I don't know which one was the was the 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 right one, but yeah. Um, yeah, well, that that's reef keeping for you, though. Yeah. Like, don't yeah. don't change anything before you go out of town either. You know? Oh yeah, for don't, sure. Don't, 
don't turn any dials or anything. No, don't add a new piece of equipment or whatever. Yeah. Oh, God, no. That's where disasters <laughs> oh, happen. Uh, okay, well, I've been closing. I think, uh, let's see if there was anything else you wanted to discuss. I'm pretty good on most of it, but uh, I do always end on this rapid-fire questions, which is kind of fun. So. All right, I'll do my best. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, first question is favorite fish. Uh, I'd have to say like some kind of rabbit fish. I mean, it's all like uh, utilitarian fish that eat crap for me. Nice. Yeah. You know, probably orange spotted rabbit fish. Okay. Uh, favorite SPS. Oh God. It's hard. Pass. <laughs> uh, like, like <laughs> say species. Or like species. You can be very, very unconventional with how you answer these questions. So yeah, that's that stuff. I, I, I liked a lot of those old, like weird, like Pachonis and, and, uh, um, like the simplexes and stuff like that that you really don't see much. Like oh, yeah, I was cool. always like drawn to those. Yeah. Oddballs. Okay. LPS. Uh, <laughs> I have one LPS that I bought <laughs> as a frag. Uh, this is not a rapid fire answer, but probably 15 years ago, it's a uh, Tyree baby's breath Favia. Cool. And, uh, it's just, this, it's just a big blob. Uh, I've cut branches of it. Uh, it's my only LPS seeing as that's the only one I got. I'll just say that's my favorite. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen that one. So, uh, favorite softie? Do you have any softies? Uh, <laughs> no, no. But I did have an old Paulo uh, Nephthia for years and years and years. That uh, I apparently is extinct in the wild now, and I'm oh, kind of sad that I got rid of it. But huh. um, yeah, just like a neon green. Uh, I mean, it had been in. Uh, you know, I mean, like I think it's still in captivity, but yeah, uh, I do not have it anymore. But yeah, that's an interesting. Um, thing. I'm, I'm to think about as corals that we might have that you know are not <laughs> not in the wild anymore yeah 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 and inevitably you know that might be a thing and, and yeah. you know there's a lot of controversy even about you know if you know if it gets extinct in the wild is it illegal to have it and then like what happens to hobbyists and maybe you can save that for another podcast yeah. but no for sure um, yeah uh okay light so your favorite light can be this a source of light or particular model um, you know, I kind of touched on that. I do think T5 provides something that maybe the other lights don't, but uh, I'm just going to go with old school and just say 65K hey light. I oh, mean, okay. You know, that, that'll, ring, that'll ring the bell. <laughs> okay. Uh, so favorite product line if you use just one product line to run your system. So salt and all the, you know, product lines um, are full. Well, you know, I, I, I've been like a... a I've been like a Dell Tech guy from the start. I mean, there was a little window where I was like, I was a Dell Tech dealer. I was the only Dell Tech dealer in uh, in America there for a little window, you know, back probably back 2016 to 2020 or something. Um, but uh, I guess if like if I had to choose like a brand that I like, I guess I'm I'm a Dell Tech guy. I mean, a skimmer. Yeah. Although I guess I don't I don't have any other Dell Tech products. But but um, that's like, uh, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna start naming brands, I guess I'm a Dell Tech guy. Okay, but yeah, that's on the hardware side. Like I'm thinking if there's a product line, say that does salt, um, you know, oh, you know uh, well, trace elements, all of that stuff. Again, I mean. It's unfortunate that I have to not say like, oh, I've been using Tropic Marin for 20 years now, and it's like my favorite salt. Um, you know, based on our little discussion earlier, it's you know a little iffy. But uh, regardless of the the flukes and the quirks that may have happened, like I guess I would still call myself a trop. We'll come full circle. Tropic Marin. Okay. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, aquarium controller. What do you What do you think? Uh, I have I have apexes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wave pump. Uh, and in my tanks, gyres. I've got the gyres. It's about the only thing that works in a shallow tank. Yeah, yeah, they're great in shallow tanks for sure. Uh, okay, what is your most hated pest? 
that you've dealt with? Hated pest. Well, I mean, acroweeding flatworms is the one. I mean, that's kind of the one I, yeah. I, I spend most of my time trying to deal with, I mean, eliminate and, and that sort of thing on new arrivals. Um, yeah, I could give you the spiel about, this is turned back to about 2007 when I you know, had to deal with them personally, but, um, you know, I see my new arrivals and I've got a pretty good system on, on, on dealing with them and, you know, my heart still flutters a little bit when they blow off, but, yeah. um, I mean, that's kind of like the bane, I mean, that's the bane of at the SP. Yeah. Yeah, they're hard to get rid of, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. If well, not not if you don't introduce them in the first place. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, if that's they're the in the, if they're in the tank, you got a problem. But if you can keep them from getting in, they're not they're not too hard to deal with, actually. But yeah, yeah, just have to practice abstinence, you know. Just not. Well, you know, <laughs> people like I, I mean, I say this all the time, but like I don't make any exceptions at all. I mean, when it comes to new arrivals, like zero exceptions. I don't care even for my buddy Tim, you know, who might be clean, maybe not. Yeah. You know. It's a good rule of thumb. Just don't make any exceptions. Even if you think like, oh, Adam's coral's totally clean. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I mean, I'd like to think so, but it still doesn't give you an excuse not to like go through your protocol. Yeah. You know, whatever it is you do, even if it's just for practice, yeah. you know, don't assume that, you know, don't make any exceptions <laughs> and you probably won't get it. You won't get anything. Well, because the thing is, is someone that's selling coral could even, uh, you know, have just something that's controlling the, the population of something to a point where they don't see anything. You know, I have a bunch of those peppermint shrimp in my SPS systems and and, um, you know, yeah. I know that they eat some of those pests. So, um, you know, but it's like, yeah, you, right. you never know. So. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Acro flatworms, just one of the worst. Just no, just no exceptions. I mean, it's yeah. you know, I've gotten, I've gotten pretty good at identifying. I mean, it's just one of those things. If I find eggs, there, you know, they, it's gone. But, yeah. but gone. You know. Yeah. Okay. So if you were gonna pick one uh, of these three things to like knock out of the park, and the others to be kind of average, uh, what would you pay more attention to? Light, flow, or water chemistry? Uh, I would say water chemistry. I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, like it's the main ingredient, you know, I mean, if something's yeah. off with chemistry, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. You know, lighting could be, I mean, I would say that's the most important ingredient. Yeah. To me. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I've had times where I think my water chemistry just hit that total sweet spot and, you know, some acro that fell down the back was like nicely colored and growing well and, you know, didn't have much light, didn't have much flow. So, you know, that that proves. Right. You know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, totally. that's the first thing. I mean, like, you know, if your elk wobbles a little bit, that's fine. If you're light, I mean, like, like I said, my my halides are probably two or three years old. You know, so my, I use my my T5s. I don't change, I don't change until they go out. Usually, I'm like yeah. I'm really lazy and, and pretty bad about that. But you know, maybe the corals would be happier with a brand new ball. But you know, too too bad for them. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got probably three year old T5 bulbs. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I run them along. Whatever. Too, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. So this is a fun kind of thought exercise. Final question. Uh, so if you had the financial means to do so, would you do a Polo Reef type tank? So you know the Polo Reef. Oh, yeah. 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 Would I? Would you do it personally? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Just a big, massive tank. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, I will say. I mean, that tank in particular uh, is incredible to look at. I mean, just so many fish and, like, all the rocks really got big, sprawling colonies. Yeah. Um, you know, if I thought I could pull it off, eh, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I don't, if, yeah, I don't, I don't see why I I mean, you have the money to you know? pay good people to do it, but it, the funny right, thing is right. I've asked a few people this question, and not everybody 
would go for it. Um, and one really good point was like, no, it's it's pretty awesome. One really good point that uh, Jay uh, Unorthodox Reef made is he said that he would um, prefer to have it be a public aquarium. And I know um, and Andrew's really good with having people come and visit and see the system, but um, mm -hmm. you know, I think having it somewhere where the public could witness it um, would be a huge benefit to you know inspiring people and educating and whatnot but they're That's obviously doing, well, they're doing that too they're doing a lot of well, video I, content and, right i mean social media would kind of be the next best thing i would say in that yeah. regard but totally but, yeah, yeah or like like kind of make it a pub yeah I, I could see that point there i could see that but still pretty cool thing to have in your house <laughs> yeah I mean, totally, well, I remember, totally. how, what was his name? Bill, um, he was on Reef Frontiers, the, the, a Wisconsin guy. I can't remember his mm -hmm. last name. But he was kind of, I mean, I don't know how long that poll has been set up, but uh, I cannot believe it. Was, oh, was it the Mr. 20K guy? Uh, no, it was, I mean, this was kind of even before social media, but he was a Wisconsin guy. Yeah. And uh, Aquarium Engineering is uh, kind of his company. I just can't think of his last name. Bill... I'm so sorry, I can't think of his name. Yeah. But he had a huge tank, and it was kind of like the first time a lot of us had seen a tank like that in his house. It was a big, you know, 20,000, 15,000 gallon tank. And uh, I mean, it's just mesmerizing. It's like, you can do that? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that, like, that's a thing. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I haven't, I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I, last time I talked to him was I was asking him about heaters for my system, you know, and that was back in 2016. So I guess it's been a while, but. Yeah. Um, and it was brief. It was a brief, you know, just kind of asking about some stuff, but. Um, yeah, I don't see, I mean, I'm still like a diehard hobbyist, you know what I mean? Even though, like, my display is just that little thing right there. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I've had displays come and go, but yeah. if I had the opportunity to set up a tank like that, I don't think I would hesitate for a second. Yeah, no. that would be pretty, pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> cool, man. Okay, well, thanks a lot for joining me. And uh, Cool, man. Well, thanks for the consideration, man. I really appreciate yeah. it. It's been a lot of yeah. fun, dude. Super fun. Cool. Thanks a lot, man. Okay, I'll awesome, talk man. to you soon. You okay. bet. Cheers. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Reef with Adam Derrickson from Battle Corals. If you want to check out his website, go to battlecorals.com and you can check out some of the awesome SPS corals he has available there. I will link to the resources and products discussed in this podcast in the show notes. And if you have any suggestions for future guests, uh, want to just ask us a question, make a suggestion, make a criticism, whatever you want to say, uh, feel free to reach out at beyondthereefpod at gmail.com. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and leave us a review. And if you're looking for high-quality aquacultured corals in Canada, please check us out at fraggarage.ca. Hope to hear from you soon.